Blog Talk Radio. Oh, no. 
All right. That was uh, Marvin Gaye's rendition of the Star Spangled Banner. I thought we should go with that one uh, this week. Um, in lieu of what we've been doing the last couple of weeks with the uh, with um, Whoopi Goldberg singing. Because we are going to be a little bit, well, attempt to be a little bit more serious um, this week in talking about our topic. Hey, Tom, you there? Okay. Town, are you there? Obasa, I have my phone muted. My bad, my bad, my bad. All right. Yeah, Welcome you to can... TNC Radio, the next chapter, where we will always be diving into open, in-depth conversation about dreams, determination, and dedication, and the journey taken to realize them. Focusing on transitioning from one level to another and recognizing when and how to move to the next chapter. Tonight are your hosts, A-Town and Gypsy Star. If you want to join the conversation, you can call in at 646-668-2574. We welcome all opinions and thoughts as long as they're thought out. In other words, don't call up talking about spaceships in Area 51 unless you got some proof. Don't talk about what you believe unless there's some fact or something tangible to it. Because I want to believe in the tooth fairy and get money, but it ain't real. So as long as you come with a factual opinion, we all good. If you call up with some nonsense talking about what you feel like, I feel like the world should just wake up and be a better place. Yeah, we're cutting you off because, well, that ain't going to happen. So with that, we welcome all opinions and insights as long as they're thought out. And, again, you can call us at 646 668 2574. And Gypsy, what is today's topic? Well, this is this is America part three, where we are specifically dealing with people of color, those black and brown, yellow and red. So not to exclude as Cornel West would say, our white brothers and sisters, but uh Sometimes your opinions don't necessarily have, uh, I don't want to say merit in this conversation, but this is a conversation in dealing with a side of America that typically doesn't have Uh, time to. uh, Let me cut through all that. Your, your, your okay, opinions don't have your opinions don't have merit in this. That would be like a plumber coming to an electrical convention who has no training in electricity and says, "I want to be heard in the electrician's convention because I'm a professional plumber and my expertise in plumbing should allow me to talk about electricity." No, we're talking about the opinions and the roles of black people and people of color. I mean, people of color as defined and set out by people of color. So if you're not a person of color, your opinion has no merit in this because if it did, it would be saying that you have a right to tell us what to think and how to think about us. This is a family discussion. You can listen in on. 
but it'd be like someone having a family discussion about how they're going to do stuff and then somebody not in the family chiming in. Just because you can listen to the conversation does not mean you're invited in. So with that, if you do have an opinion and you're not a person of color and you want to express it, be sure that you're not calling up telling people of color what to think about their experience. If you want to talk about what you think the opinion of our, your opinion of our experience, we might give you a couple of seconds. But you can't call up here and tell us what we should think and how we should feel about ourselves. So, no, your opinion doesn't have any merit. Just like if there was a conversation about women adjusting to their periods, I would have no say-so because, one, I'm not a woman. I've never had a period. I've never had the ability to adjust to the period. So me calling up would be just an observer's opinion, and it has no merit because I don't know what I'm talking about. So unless you've actually been a person of color, you cannot express an opinion of being a person of color and what we should do next. So no, your, your, your opinion doesn't have any merit, but not in a negative way, like it doesn't have any merit altogether. It doesn't have merit in this conversation, and we need to know that. We need to know our limits. So I'll just say it. Don't call up here if you're not a person of color telling us how we should feel. You can tell us what you feel, but don't call up here telling us what we should feel and how we should react as people of color. You can say as a white person or a person of this or whatever, this is what I feel, but don't call up saying, well, I think, you know, black people, mm -mm -mm," or, you know, or Latino or indigenous people. "Eh, eh, eh, eh." Make sure you know that you're expressing your opinion from your point of view. Don't call up speaking for other folks. So, yeah, I want that real clear. So, okay, well, but. Fuck the niceties. All right. <laughs> no, that's, niceties. that's the problem. We're always too nice. No, and no. Then what hey, happens listen. is we end up we end up going in listen. circles because we got people in the conversation that don't that shouldn't be in the conversation. I listen. I get it. Malcolm said it best when white when a white lady asked him, "Hey, what can we do to help and and do this that and the other?" And he looked at her and said, "Nothing." <laughs> like and in the movie, you know. Hey, I get it. I. Totally get it. You know, I was just trying to be yes. nice about it because I'm reserving my I'm reserving myself because uh, oftentimes when we talk about this these topics, namely when we because I can't speak from a Latino's perspective, I can speak from a black male perspective. Okay. Oftentimes when we talk about these things, uh, we even play pity pat with each other. Now, mind you, we are not a, we ha- are not and never have been a homogenized people, a monolithic thought type of people. Never, never. So one, that narrative of we are all going this way is is, is a lie. Let's let's be painstakingly clear about that. We're not. We've n- nor have we ever been. But the point I'm making is, I'm trying to reserve some of my passion. I'll put it that way. For when we open this thing and get to talking about us, for us, you know. 
Because, you know. And I'm going to be in it from the giddy-up. So we're just going to start. So I'm going to let you lead off, and I'll follow. Okay. Let's start with an easy one and a hard one at the same time. Nigga. Nigger. Nigga. Niggas. What is your thoughts on the word? You want me to go first? Really? You pick the order. I'm asking the question. Go ahead. Okay. So, I think nigga is no different than bitch, hoe, pussy, punk, fuck boy. It was a name that was imposed on our ancestors to deny them the right to identify themselves. And this is historical fact. So this, don't call up saying, oh, no, we chose that, you know, or come up to talking about, you know, it comes, you know, I've heard people say it comes, you know, from the word niggas and all this other kind of junk. Let's, let's be for real. We're dealing with European folks, and it was the pro, it wasn't, it wasn't the rich people came over here. It was the proletariat. It was the poor people. It was it was the folks who not necessarily were the learned ones. It was the criminals. So don't talk like we had this educated population who bastardized our name. We got that name from the people who enslaved us. And it was given to us to deny us our human and spiritual right to define who we are, to refer to us as who we are, to, deli- to, to, to remove our humanity, to break us down to an animal. Now, people argue what it is today, and I don't know, you know, what kind of alchemy people did where they took something that was used to rob us of our humanity, and now all of a sudden they use it to affirm our humanity or something, or it's a term of endearment. It's not a term of endearment. So the definition of a term of endearment is a term who in itself endears. So if anybody walks up to a woman and says, you're beautiful, and they mean it, that's endearing. If someone says, you're a kind, special person, those words are endearing, Based on the words, it does not matter who they're coming from. Of course, uh, for all those who be like, well, what if it's somebody who beat you? Okay, we talk common sense and, and we talk reason here. If you think that we're incorporating people who abused you or did negative things to you in this conversation, you're in the incorrect conversation. So we're talking about within that reason, anybody walks up to a woman and gives that term or says a man, he's handsome, it's going to be endearing. Nigga is not endearing. Nigga is selectively endearing, and it depends on who it's coming from. I forgot in what, what movie, it's like, I mean, I'm calling you a nigga, and I don't mean it in a nice way. So it depends. And so what happens is we've taken this word that has been used to dehumanize our ancestors, and now we wear it. And I think some t- I, right now, I'm thinking about what would our ancestors be doing 
the ones who took the whip, the ones who sometimes died because they refused to answer to anything but their name. And they died because they refused to take the name nigga. And then looking at us, wearing that junk, and then trying to own it and trying to redefine it like never ignorant, getting gold accomplished, all this other kind of stuff. And look at the folks who died trying to keep their name and their humanity and look at them looking at us right now, taking this and using it to affirm our humanity. I think they would throw up. I think that they would kill themselves again. I think that they would be so disgusted. They'd be like, what the hell did I die for? What did I stand up for? Why did I fight to keep and say my name for people to be free now and then to claim the name that I was trying to avoid and that they literally had to kill us and beat us to take. So nigga is what it is. I don't care what you call it now. Historically, it is a term of dehumanization, marginalization, minimization. It was used to snatch our right to identity, religion, humanity, and all that. So I don't answer to it, and nobody calls me that. And if I call you that, I mean it in the terms of a person who's given up his identity and right to self-identify and become a product of this American oppressive environment. So if I call you a nigga, understand, it's not a compliment. I'm saying you're the epitome of what happens when the spirit and life gets beat out of somebody and you become what your oppressors want you to be and you accept their delineation. And I don't care. It's like people are like, well, bitch means being in total control of yourself. No, bitch means bitch. Period. Wait, what? Yeah, you Wait, can hear what? that back in the days. People people like bitch means being in total control of herself. I'm like, no, bitch means bitch. It's a female dog. And that's what it is. And you try to make an acronym of it ain't changing. And I think nigga is a sign of the weakness of the African-American psyche, that we have not been willing to get rid of it. And understand, nigga didn't originate with us. Did it? Didn't no. the term, you know, and, and the ghetto didn't originate with us. And it was, and it's funny because in, in a book it's well, called well, Blacks well, and well, Jews, well, Michael go, Lerner. You, you, hold on, I'm going to get up with this. Michael Lerner. No, no, we're going to get to it. We're going to get to that. We're going to get to the ghetto. Okay. We're going to get to the ghetto. We're going to get to All the right, ghetto. So That's yeah. what I'm just saying. Hold on. So, yeah. So, 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 nigga, I take it in this historical context and what it was made as. And anybody who says there's anything else, you're just making stuff up. You're trying to redefine the word because you're too weak to throw it off. Okay, I'm done. Wow. Wow. If you got a comment, call in. We want to hear from y'all. Seriously. 646-668-2574. Uh, I'm going to give my take on it. There are major points and parts of what you said that I completely agree with. Um, I will say this, you know, you hear a lot of people say, oh, you should never call another black person a nigger. You know, there are no niggas. 
I think that statement is a lie. <laughs> you know, uh, you know, you hear people say, "Well, you know, there there were no niggas in Africa." That's true, but your black ass is sitting in Detroit. <laughs> there wasn't no Puerto Ricans back before they came and stole us either. Nor were there any Dominicans, nor was there any Haitians, nor were there any African Americans. All of that shit was created. Every black person or person of color outside of the indigenous Native Americans and the people who were indigenous, the Indians, if I have to use the term, who were on these lands. Just call them the are, people. Because one of my friends, he's he's Blackfoot. And I'm like, how do you refer? He's like, you know, colloquially we'll say Indians so people get it and people know. He said, but we used to just refer to ourselves as the people. So it was okay. the Navajo people, the, people. the Blackfoot people. The people that was on this hemisphere, and except for the Europeans, when you put that African in the mix, you became something else other than what your original state was. So, if you take lemon, example, if you take lemon juice, sugar, and water and put it all together, it becomes lemonade. Okay, it became something different. Now, just as slavery created a people all across this hemisphere, they also created a positive and a negative, especially with the Jim Crow, the uh, slavery, the slave trade, Jim Crow, institutional racism. And white supremacy, they created, unfortunately, they created the nigger as well. Because we got plenty of niggas living in their lower selves, in their lower mind states, that's not trying to rise up and do anything for themselves besides being a nigger. So we kind of sometimes we call them. Oh, them the cousins. Everybody got them cousins that they don't want to say. Hey, oh, no, them the cousins. They, everybody got them cousins you don't really want to talk about or bring around. You saying them some niggas? Mm-mm, I don't go there. The cousins go over there. Yeah, them niggas. So, unfortunately, <laughs> if it's the creative, pre- them niggas. You know, listen, I'm going to tell you straight up. And I think, but niggas have their place. They do. Because if I need somebody's ass whooped, I ain't calling my cousin the accountant. I'm calling my cousin that nigga. (laughs) 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 They got a place. (laughs) But like the last poet says, you have to identify when you're dealing with a black person, African-American, uh, so-called Negro, I don't know what the fuck we're going by this week. Um, you got to recognize when you're <laughs> dealing with with one of them and when you're dealing with a nigger. 
But before you know that you have to, but instead of calling everybody niggas, you have to be able to distinguish in the two. And, and it all has this place in our society. You know what I mean? And that's my take mm-hmm. on it. You know, that's, that's just me. But the thing, but the thing and, and, and let me, and let me tell you, so people get where I'm, I'm, I'm dealing, you know, and maybe it's the clinical side of me. I deal with the history and the nature of how something comes into being. I, I can't just look at something and then just disjoin it out of history and context and then be like, okay, this is what is. I'm like, no, it's not. So in other words, we'll look at Egypt. They call it the Middle East. It's not the Middle East. It's Northern Africa. If you look at the continent of Africa, just a picture of the continent of Africa, you're looking at Egypt. If you remove now, hold, hold the on, continent, no, in, other, in other words, what I'm saying is not the whole thing is Egypt, but Egypt is on there. So if you take away the continent of Africa, there is no Egypt. It's on the continent, but we call it the Middle East. Because what happens is we don't want to identify the great things that happened in there, the structures that were built with people of color, because you can't say people of color don't never did anything or added to the world, but then all of a sudden we built that. So what happens is they suspend it, put it in the middle of some concept, and then disconnect it. And so for me, you cannot look at the word nigga without looking at the history and context that it was used, what it was used as, what it was used for, and what it did. You're so, right. And that's and that's what and I'm so, saying. You have to you I'm not dis- I'm not, I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm I'm just I was just saying that so people get where I was coming from. I'm just like, yeah. Okay. No, you know, I, mean, I, I, I wasn't dis—I wasn't disagreeing with you. I'm just saying that for anybody who tries to say anything else, uh, you can say what you want to say, but you will not act like the word did not have the origin that it had, have the effect that it had, and then talk about it like it's some innocuous word that never did anything to anybody's psyche. We ain't having those conversations. But if you want to call in and you want to talk about the the word nigga, 646-668-2574. We want to hear your opinion because nowadays all people of color use use the word nigga. I hear Latinos use the word nigga, you know, and it's, it's disheartening, you know. And the thing about it is I can't say nothing because we all came in the same boats, you know, went through the same, you know, same stuff. But I'm just saying, you know, it's it's rough when you hear people using the word. And I'm just like, whoa, this is this ain't this ain't cool. And so, yeah, it, it, it bothers me that it has become that much of a colloquial term, you know, that now everybody uses it, you know. And I'm just like, I'm from the old school. You can get your butt whooped for that. I'm, I'm like, let's let's not let's not get it twisted. 
I still will whoop off in your behind for it. So for anybody who is mistaken, confused, yeah, it can be that. <laughs> but yeah, I'm not down with the word. I'm not down with the word whatsoever. It just, it just, yo, it, it just does something to me, bro. I mean, and not to the point where like, oh, it has this effect. No, it just, it just, it just wakes part of my, part of my it's DNA. It's an ancestral thing. It's an ancestral oh, thing. Oh yeah. I get it. I get oh, it. Yeah. And that's, but see, that's that's what I'm saying. You identify with what came before you, but you also recognize that. Oh shit! We are all a created people. So let me. <clears throat> so when they created the Haitian, in creating the Haitian, in creating the Dominican, in creating the Puerto Rican, in creating the African American, undoubtedly because of the viciousness and the cycle that date that was imposed on us for generations, for for. Over four hundred years. Come on, man. That's that's that's. They created them. They created them niggas too. And unfortunately, the conversation that we don't have often is okay. How do you rise from a nigga mentality? That's the conversation nobody wants to have. The rising up from the nigga mentality. Which brings us to our next topic. <laughs> Which brings us to our next topic. You're going to go first tonight. Uh, okay. The next topic. The. Uh, how should I say this? The agents and the and the agents, the traitors, the people who I, I put it like Chuck said: every brother ain't a brother because his color might be might as well be undercover. And you don't forget it was a hand of a nigga that pulled the trigger. Um, yo, so this is this is. <laughs> You have to cut me off because this is my soapbox. There are people, and I'm not saying they're dumb people, and I'm not saying there are people without the ability to reason. I'm saying these are shrewd people. And again, right now we're talking about agents in the race, um, and and we're talking about uh, not in race, but agents, people of color. We're speaking from the black perspective because we're black. If you got another perspective, call in. 646-668-2574. This is the next chapter, TNC Radio. So there are a lot of people who are using their intelligence and their prowess to pimp people, specifically people of color. So I'm going to call one out right now because he just makes my ass itch. Dr. Umar Johnson. And let me just say this. If you follow Dr. Umar Johnson, you have bought the Kool-Aid, you've drank the Kool-Aid, you, you've bought the you bought the bridge, 
and you're walking around with a solar-powered flashlight. Not to say this brother does not know his history and that he does not present intellectually, but he is feeding so much crap with what he, he puts his knowledge into that it becomes poisonous. So I, I like to liken it to the devil when he was talking to Jesus. Even if you're not a Christian, just deal with the principle and not this as a historical act. There's a verse that says that God will watch over Jesus and send angels to guard him lest he dash his foot on the stone. So the devil took Jesus in this story to a mountain, and he quoted that. and said, yo, God said he sent his angels to pick you up lest you dash your foot on the stone. So throw yourself off this mountain to see if it's true. Now, see, the insidious part of this is the first part that the devil said was all true. All true. The second part was that fake stuff. And Jesus called him and said, yeah, but the same God that said that also said, don't tempt me. So if I fall, he will pick me up. But he ain't going to pick me up if I just throw myself down to tempt him to see if he's going to do it. And so this is what these jokers do. They throw a little bit of knowledge in, and then they throw the BS in the back that actually harms you. So, again, Umar, I, I was going to talk about it, but just put it this way. He's an idiot. He, he's a pimp. He's my boy. My, my, my boy calls him a hotep hustler. I like that, the hotep hustlers. And then I have one of my boys who I ain't going to mention. He just turned into an agent. Trump been in office for three or four years, going on four years, and he ain't never said a positive thing about Trump, never, never supported Trump, nothing. He goes to meet Trump because he said he meant to do, sat down with him over the weekend. And he comes back talking about literally that Trump is God's choice. I think it was him or somebody who said Trump is America's first black president. I mean, just talking about that, you know, Trump has done everything and people who don't go for him are brainwashed by Democrats and, you know, they, they, they should follow Republicans and all sorts other kind of mess. And he's an agent now. He's an absolute agent. And, and the reason I say that is because he does agent things. See, I respond to him. I never insulted him. But when he says something about Trump, I would respond with a factual article. Or I would respond with factual information. And this dude would use words like useless. That was worthless. And all this other kind of stuff. And I'm like, dog, that's how we talk to each other right now? And then this joker called me a so-called friend and said that Trump has done more in his time in office than I've ever done for him in 20 years of friendship. And I'm like this, even if I've never given you a thing, you could truly call me your friend, and then you compare a president making economic decisions over your business, and you say that that dude has done more for you than someone who's given you 20 years of friendship, I told the joker to lose my number. He's an agent. And you have a lot of agents out here who are pimping people. Listen, get in your book, get in your studies, learn your stuff so people can't sit up here and use you and tell you anything and have you running back and forth. Let me tell you something. Anybody who says that the Democrats don't use you is a liar, is lying, or they just don't know anybody. Anybody who says that the Republicans don't use you is a liar or don't know no better. Both of them suck. Both of them aren't any good, but we don't have a choice right now. We have to choose a lesser of two evils. And so when it comes down to it, 
you know, it's the difference between Satan and the demon. If I got to have one running, I would rather have the demon because he's a little bit less advanced than Satan. Don't get screwed, but it's on a lesser level. So you got, like I said, you got dudes running through here. You know, my boy, he ain't my boy no more. Forget you, since I'm a so-called friend. You got, um, what's this dude? Uh, like I said, Umar Johnson. And then you got people who, who are agents just because they're not, I don't know whether they're not teaching, whether they're not, like, like, my, like my man Al Sharpton. Again, and, and not to say that he's a negative dude, but it's like this. People selling us ghost stories and, 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 and pots of gold at the end of the rainbow. This dude has had his headquarters in New York his entire life. He's done all kind of stuff in New York. This joker has never been borough president of Harlem. He's never been mayor of New York. He's never been a senator in New York. He's never been a representative. Nothing in New York. But he's going to run for president. I'm like, listen, if you can't run your city, if you can't get elected as borough president in Harlem, if you can't get elected mayor of New York, and this is your base, what makes you think you're going to end up being president of the United States and got people running by him? So I told folks, I mean, I joke and said, man, I ain't voting for nobody with a firm. But my thing is like this, your organization headquarters in Harlem, You've been in New York, I don't know how many years. You have not been able to affect change as a leader in a political position in New York. And this is where you live and you run your stuff. I'm like, goodness, we got to stop following these jokers. We should have been like, listen, dude, like, look at what Barack did, President Obama. He got in in Illinois. He started being an activist in Chicago. He ended up a state senator. Then he ended up president. He showed that he could mobilize a following that he was willing to work on the level where he was at, and he worked his way up. You got all of these jokers who just want to go from, this is my organization, to I'm going to run America. It's like, dude, we got to stop that. And like I said, he's not an agent where he's negative, like he's, but he's an agent where he's misleading. And he's selling you, like, as, as, as you said, selling you dreams. Telling you gold at the end of the rainbow. All of these jokers are agents. We got to start demanding more of our people because we ain't getting nothing for our investment. And it's just pissing well, me off. Well, let me jump in real quick. Because I, I got some things to say about the agents, the, the pulpit pimps, and the, uh, and, the, and the hotel hustlers. But first, I'm going to start with the agents. People, you need to recognize who you're dealing with as an agent. Now, Umar Johnson, just to be clear, I've listened to some of the things that Umar Johnson has said, and he has actually helped me in recognizing some things that were going on in the school systems with my children. However, what he helped me to do is develop a lexicon to explain something that I had seen for years. And I just did, you know, how like, okay, I know this is happening, but I need a better way to say it. Blah, 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 blah. That's it on the, that's, that's it on the head. But again, I came from a place of 
as you said, studying things or, or, or life experience and recognizing some stuff. So, Umar Johnson, great stepping stone. But no man should be the end-all, be-all basis and base for your own personal knowledge and wisdom and understanding of a thing. Especially so, that clown. No, I, chill. <laughs> I, so no, because like I said, it was like the devil. The devil, no, no, I, the devil I, gave scripture. So if you learn scripture, no, no, probably... I, I get it. But at the same time, we got we got that point, and we understand why you don't like to do. But this is about getting to that next chapter. So, fuck him. I'm talking yes. to the people. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Fuck him. I'm talking to the people. Twice. And if he hears this, he shouldn't even be mad that we're saying. Fuck him, and we dealing with the people because if you truly what you say you about, it's always about the people, baby. It ain't about you, and that's what I'm saying. This ain't about me. This is about the people. You know, secondarily, we have to stop allowing people to tell us. Who the fuck our leadership is Black folks leaders We ain't had a real black leader Be honest with you Since King and X died Maybe the Black Panthers That's it After that shit we ain't had no real leaders On a national level No we haven't Everybody who's Been a black leader Maybe with the exception of Farrakhan, but I can't necessarily say Farrakhan falls into the realm of black leadership because he was mainly a Muslim, but he was the only one at the time filling that void. So maybe Farrakhan squeaked in there. But everybody else, your Jesse Jacksons, your Al Sharptons, your, all of these, all these so-called Vying for position ass niggas Are agents They were selected I don't ever remember Did I miss the memo Did my mail get lost Did my election <laughs> ballot For for black leadership Get, get lost I, I don't know anybody Who said yeah I'm a Follow Jesse Jackson that's my leader Hell no nah. Jesse Jackson was imposed on us. Now, some of the shit he said was cool. But let us not forget that our shit has always been infiltrated. It's the reason why, and, and, and if you think I'm lying, let's go back to slavery. Two, three niggas couldn't congregate during slavery. Oh, no, because they was thinking you was plotting to run away insurrection, Right. Fast forward now, mm-hmm. whether you're in Brooklyn, Cleveland, or even in the United States military, if it's more two or three brothers sitting around and talking, you're going to get rousted by the police, you're going to raise white folks' suspicion, and you're going to be fucked with. 
fact. So that alone lets me know that, oh, shit, we ain't going to have a membership meeting. We ain't going to have a, a a congregation where we got to elect who our leadership is going to be. When did that shit happen? <laughs> when did that shit he said, happen? He said, I and under whose permission? <laughs> the fuck out of here. The fuck out of here. So anytime you see a nigga on TV and they say, oh, well, this is the black leader, that nigga's an age. Run like the hills. Anything, anytime you see a nigga petitioning to be an agent, run like the hills. Run for the hills. That shit don't happen. Let us not forget that there's always been agents. Even back in the day with Martin Luther King and Malcolm X. Hell, the nigga who was giving Malcolm X mouth to mouth on the cover of Life magazine on the day of his assassination was a fucking agent for the New York City Police Department. The problem is Malcolm knew there was agents. He just didn't have the time and the resources to readily identify which nigga, and I'm saying that just how I said it, nigga, going back to the earlier conversation, was the one that, well, let me say it like this, which we sick boss ass nigga was the betrayer. We got to know who they are. Even if. And if you want to get on some. Hold on. If you want to get on this conversation, it's 646-668-2574. This is TNC Radio, the next chapter. And um, we're talking on the DL Radio Network. We're talking about people of color in America. And right now, we're talking about agents, and we're talking about how to deal with them and what to do to get over them. Go ahead, finish, Gyps. My bad. Even if, even if, even if we're talking about the prominent members of our society, because them raggedy fuckers can be agents too. At any given moment. They could be sleeper cells. You think I'm lying? Look at the whole Gail King situation with Snoop Dogg. Her ass was activated. Agent. The her best friend, the patron saint of white women. Agent. Did you just call Oprah the patron saint of white women? Yes, I did. You know, talking about Oprah is the way to get the show canceled, right? Let me sing my favorite, my famous, my favorite and famous song for you. I don't give a fuck because I'm gonna say what's what's true. Agent, and 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 let's be painstakingly clear for all you hotep hustler niggas out there. Running around talking about, see, yeah, because she, you know, she part of the Illuminati, and, and see, the Illuminati is trying to shut the fuck up. Because the people that y'all claiming to be running stuff and calling out their name, if it's a secret society, nigga, how did you get the memo? <laughs> yeah, I love that. Who the fuck told you? 
are reading you know. the same information and don't really understand that some of that shit was bastardized because <laughs> niggas ain't the only one that can't. Well, let me say this. Black folks ain't the only ones that can't stick together. That shit was started by white folks in an organization because somebody got kicked out of the organization. And then they went back and named all this other stuff they said that was ungodly and this, that, and the other. And it really wasn't. And they kicked that dude out because he was a charlatan. And a con artist. Yeah. If you're going to know the history, know all the history. And again, when we're talking about agents, we're not talking about people who are just misguided. We're talking about people who are using their intellect and influence to, to confuse and use and take advantage of our people. Like, there's some people who I don't agree with. And they're Republicans, and, and they, they're capitalists. But they're not going out preaching their, their brand of life, trying to get people to buy into it and using their intellect and their ability to try to get people to tag along. They're like, this is just my opinion. I'm like, oh, you can rock with that. You can live your life. But at the point that you start attempting to influence and impact the life of people of color and start you know, you know, as as my boy who's an agent now, well, I keep calling my boy, my former boy, my my well, I thought it was my man's in them. You know, now he's an agent. He talks about anybody who follows a Democrat, you know, is brainwashed. And I'm just like these jokers don't know the history of it. Like we weren't following um, Democrats that were brainwashed. We were following Republicans first because Lincoln was a Republican, and then. Republicans start representing more of the power structure. So we switch to Democrats. And then we switch you know, to whatever comes next. But we don't switch based on being brainwashed. We switch based on which party we believe is representing the majority of our views or at least partially have our best interests at heart. I don't ever remember meeting a black person yeah, and so I don't ever remember a black person who wasn't a part of one of the parties who actually subscribed to believing in the party. They just say, hey, this is a lesser to evil. Now, when you get somebody who's an active member of the Democratic Republican Party, yeah, they're, they're wholesale in there. They're, they're giving their opinions. They're saying their thing. They're trying to convince people. But for people who just vote, for black, for people of color who just like, hey, you know what, I'm supporting this candidate. They don't wholeheartedly believe in either party. Matter of fact, they prefer having neither one. But you have to be realistic. Until these two-party systems, are, the two-party system is and it becomes either a no-party or a multiple-party system, you basically have to choose between the two. And I would rather choose one who had me sharecropping than one who had me picking cotton for free. So, and yo, it's a, it's a very mild delineation. But at least one, you have some form of autonomy and you ain't got to worry about a whip in the morning. 
But y'all got to understand that we don't have a choice right now between parties. We don't have the voting block. And when I say voting block, I'm not saying we don't have the people. We don't have a voting block. In other words, a, co- a, a um, cohesive group of people who will vote according to a party line or a belief system to affect it. And if you want to see how that works, look at the um, Tea Party. The Tea Party galvanized and, and, and centralized a voting ideal to the point where they had enough people to get folks into office in certain areas. We don't have that. And so until we have a voting block that in and of itself can influence politics to the point where we can start putting our own people in, regardless of how other people are voting, we got to choose between one of the two. And anybody trying to sell you wholeheartedly on one or the other is an agent. You know what I'm saying? And they might not even know they're being an agent. That brings us to the hotel hustlers. That brings us to the hotel hustlers. Oh, my goodness. I I, I got this one. I I told you, I've been waiting on it. Oh, I, ooh. Jesus, I've been waiting on Ooh, ooh, I've been waiting all day. I've been waiting all day. Y'all don't even understand. I had to take a nap like a a kindergartner in the middle of the day. I had to take a nap because I, ooh. Cause I've been waiting on this show. Ooh, this this is the one, baby. Okay. <laughs> Hotep hustlers. All you mother, all you dashiki wearing, crystal, crystal having, claim to be this, that, and oh, I don't eat tofu, and uh, you know the black woman is God on earth, and all that shit. That you niggas pedal when it's appropriate. And on the other side of that, you got the, hey, man, you know, revolution and black folks and own God with black power. Now I'm all down for all of that shit. I got a dashiki. I eat tofu. Nigga, I own some crystals. And I also <laughs> got a gun. And, and all of my white friends know. When the revolution comes, mm, nigga, I may hide you, <laughs> but if it becomes me or you, you got to go. <laughs> Flat out. Be painstakingly clear. But when everybody's talking about this revolution and a black, it's time for nation building and all that shit, half of you niggas can't even sew a button on your damn shirt. But you niggas want to scream revolution. <laughs> Do me, you, and the rest of black America a favor. Sit the fuck down and shut the fuck up. Learn things that are going to be helpful to the nation and the cause. Raise your fucking, if you, ooh, I love it. Speech said it best. Raise your fist, but raise your children. You can't talk to me about the Black Panther Party and your punk ass don't know the laws that govern your town, your state, and then the nation. Don't tell me about the Republican Party versus the Democratic Party or none of that bullshit. 
Because if you really want to know, hey, Malcolm said it, but I'm going to say it differently. He said left wing and right wing are the same bird. But guess what? For years, it's been one party is the right cheek, the other party is the left cheek, and black folks have been dead center in a shitty situation. If you really want to be honest. That's where we at right now. So if you talking all this revolution and hotep and, and all this other shit, why don't you know your skill set, teach your skill set, then repeat what happened to each one, teach one. But nah, y'all doing this because it sounds good. But when you gonna actually get to it? See a real in 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 a town. I know you 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 didn't had karate classes all your life, right? It comes yeah. to a certain point where where all that yakety smackety and me 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 got to stop, and you got to put your hands up and get to work. When you gonna get to work? I remember <laughs> you weren't there, but I was right here in Cleveland, Ohio. I went to a poetry set. It was on the anniversary of 9-11. By the way, I'm a veteran, so everybody can kiss my ass with what I'm about to tell y'all. <laughs> um, I marched in in my Marine uniform to the my favorite version of the Star Spangled Banner, uh, Marvin Gaye's version. I said a poem, and I asked a question. Now, all night long, you had these revolutionary niggas, and ooh, and we as black people, and they, oh, they was, they was good and black that night. So I went in there, and I said, why on September the 12th, I'm supposed to be a super patriot when on September the 10th, I wasn't nothing but a nigga. And I had a small American flag, and I set fire to that. All those revolutionary niggas gasped, and it was silent. <gasps> oh my God! Yeah. So don't I don't need words when it's time for action. And right now, it's time for action. So all that bullshit y'all talking, please do everybody a favor. Sit the fuck down and shut the fuck up. (laughs) And so let's break it down. Like I said, this is TNC, the next chapter radio. Um, The number is 646-668-2574. And we're talking about um, black people, I mean, not black people, we're talking about people of color in America, and we're talking about mainly about black folks because we black, and we don't want to misrepresent anybody else's um, culture or history, you know, when we talk about opinions and that and the other. So if you got something to say, call in, especially if it's from a different opinion or perspective than, you know, people of color. You know, um, I mean, black folks, because, you know, they're the only ones represented on here. And, you know, 
that's our bad, you know, for not having people other than us on the show. But, you know, in this time of corona and hustling and stuff, I really didn't think about it. So next time we do one, we're going to have to reach out to people and pull folks in so we can get that, that diaspora um, in here. But, you know, we talked about the word nigger, and now we talked about hotel hustlers, you know, um, and, you know, next to the hotel hustlers are, you know, these pimps in the pulpit. So let me say this, and let me, and let me, and let me first format this. I'm saying this as a Christian. I'm saying this as someone who read through the Bible in three or four different translations, actually four different translations, at least two or three times before he hit 17, who gave his trial sermon when he was 16, who got offered, you know, the chance to pastor a church if he went to theological seminary, a brother who's dedicated his life, still prays and fasts on a regular basis, and reads the Bible daily. Don't listen to these pulpit pimps telling you that if you don't go to church and if you don't gather, you are not showing faith in God. God does not tell you to run out in the front of live ammunition because he's going to protect you. He gave you the good sense to duck and run. So for all of these, these pulpit pimps who are talking about this go to church anyway, this is what they're really saying. If what they're saying is true, what they're saying is nobody who's a Christian has died for this. That Christians are immune from this and that Christians will never get this. If they're not saying that, then they are pimping you to get you to go to church. Because if they can't promise you Christians won't catch this, if they can't promise you that no Christians ever died from this, then what is the point or perspective they are using to say that you not going to church is not having faith in God? See, what happens is they're interested in their bottom line. They're interested in the tithes and offering and maintaining their lifestyles. I've seen some um, some um, some stories where you know you got these televangelists talking about you better not stop giving. And give like let's, let me tell you, let's let's break this down. God said, give them the first of your increase. So if you got a thousand dollars and you tithe on it, and you only got five hundred dollars next month, God's not telling you to tithe on that five hundred dollars. It's part of the thousand you already tithed on. Now, if you want to give an offering and you got it, that's cool. But don't let these jokers pimp you into believing that your life is not worth staying at home and that you owe these jokers. They're pimps. They're using you and they're misusing the word and they're pitching, off, pitching all this prosperity stuff. You ain't going to find a time in the Bible that's mentioned where everybody in the church was rich or where the people serving God all was driving Mercedes Benz and living these lives and stuff. But they tell you this kind of crap because it is appealing to poor people. It is appealing to folks who are going through. So what happens, they tell you this stuff, and it sounds good, and you like that. You want a God who's going to give you a mansion in this world. You want a God who's going to give you everything in this world right now materialistically. But God never promised that materialistically. He said, I will supply your needs according to your riches and glory. He never said, I would apply 
yeah, he would um, supply your wants or your desires. If your ways please him, then he'll give it to you, but he doesn't give it to you in that way. So, for instance, when Jesus sent out the disciples, he told them not to take anything with them except their sacks. And when they came back, he said, did you need for anything? And they're like, no. We didn't need it for anything. And that's the kind of provision that God is talking about, where you won't need anything. He's always going to take care of you. You're not going to be in a position where you're going to have to depend or beg man for anything. But these jokers are prosperity pimps. They, they pull six pimps, and they got you out there dying. So let me tell you about some stories. There, there's a mega church, and I forgot where it was. I think it's in Texas or something, who was telling people to come. Their associate pastor died from corona. There's a choir that said they were going to praise God anyway. And then what happens is, read an article, dozens of them are sick and a couple of them died. So this is what you're going into. And this is why it's hitting, this corona stuff is going to start hitting black people and people of color in specific harder than anybody else because, see, we believe this is happening to white folks. This ain't going to happen to us. It's a hoax. It's that the other people telling you, you know, it's just get rid of old folks. Everybody's talking about the deal of the economy. Let me tell you something. The, the, the statistics coming out now saying that places with people of color are starting to be the hardest hit now and having the biggest rise. You know why? Because we're running out here, hanging out, doing what we're doing, having these gigantic meetings. And all of a sudden, Corona coming around the corner, smacking us in the mouth. So let me tell you something, and I, and I hate to say this. There's a good deal. I would like to say a majority, but I can't say for sure, you know, the number. But there's a good deal. And I would say damn near almost half of the preachers out here are pulpit pimps. And they're just using you and selling you pipe dreams, things that are not biblical and things that are not safe. So if you go to church, understand, unless your pastor got a direct order from God saying, my congregation is safe and that he will keep everything from them, when you go, you're doing the same thing that Jesus would have done if he had jumped off that mountain when Satan told him to, like, throw yourself down. And Jesus said, we ain't supposed to tempt God. They are getting you to tempt God. They're getting you to say, Lord, if you really going to protect us, we should be able to walk out in the midst of this virus and do whatever we want, and we should never get sick. And believe me, you're going to be the fools that are dying. Pulpit pimps are real. Prosperity pimps are real. And they make me sick because you're taking the spiritual aspect of us, that part that's eternal, and searching for that connection and pimping it. And y'all make my ass itch. And if y'all want to call in and talk about it, if you think your pastor ain't a poet, ain't a um, pulpit pimp, and he's telling you to come to church, call. I want to talk to you. 646-668-2574. This is part three of America. This is America. And right now we're talking about people of color. Um, Gypsy, anything you got to say about the pulpit pimps? Um, well, first off, let me say, let me say this about the calling. Please don't call in here with all that. Well, uh, you know what? Well, Jesus ain't a black man God anyway. And shut the fuck up. 
please, because we <laughs> don't need that. Because no, seriously, because Malcolm said it best. They are not. They are not lynching and killing. Police ain't killing your, killing your ass because you got a Bible in your hand, sending your black ass to jail because you wearing a kufi or doing none of that shit. They fucking with you because you, because you black and brown. Period. So if your religion is your religion, that is your own personal business. What you think and believe, that's fine. Love it. Meaning, if it's saving your life, cool. And if it ain't doing nothing for you. You need to find a different God to be praying to, period, point blank, slack the fuck out. But don't come on here condemning other folks for what they may and may not believe. Please don't do it you, because I'm in rare fucking form tonight, and, it, and, and <laughs> tonight is a good night, straight up. With that being said, uh... About to pull pit pimps. George Clinton and the Parliament Funkadelics, well, and the Funkadelics, had a song where he said, Free your mind and your ass shall follow. Everybody likes to quote that part, but the next line is, The kingdom of heaven is within. You have to know God for yourself. If the pastor says, hey, come to church and you wake up in the morning and got this eerie feeling, hey, man, I don't think I should leave. Stay your black ass at home. If you are a member of a church and Every time you turn around, your pastor hand got a permanent kung fu grip, look like the United Way symbol. Leave that nigga <laughs> alone. He's a pimp. Leave that nigga alone. He's a pimp. It makes no sense for you to be on the bus and your pastor to be in a Bentley, and you're going to give that nigga all your money. You know who do that? Pimps do that to hoes. Unfortunately, and I'm going to just talk about the black church flat out, hands down, all the way around, to really break it down. A lot of y'all go to church because your grandmama did this, and your grandmama did that, and you, ooh, my daddy was on the, uh, my grandmama was on the usher board, my uncle sang choir, and he sang in the choir, and my daddy was a deacon, and my Great, great uncle was a reverend and oh, Jesus. Cool. But no certain traditions that happen. If you go to a church and they can't rightly define the book of Exodus, they're still operating under slave law and they don't even know it. All the black preachers in slavery were selected to keep your black ass in line. Historical facts. You can go find a slave Bible and anything about running away or insurrections are missing from out of there. A town, am I wrong? 
so they couldn't slip some of that cash out and buy their damn freedom. That's where that comes from. So if you're going to know that, again, know the history and be painstakingly clear on what you're talking about. Reverend Ike back in the day, yeah, he talked a lot about prosperity. But you know what he also did? When you joined his church, if you lived in the projects, you had one year to move out of the projects and be off welfare. Now, what did he do for that once he implemented that? The church owned several apartment buildings and owned cleaners and drugstores and this, that, and the other. If you couldn't find a decent-paying job, you got one with the church organization, and you came up. You know who else modeled their stuff that way? Elijah Muhammad. So you can talk prosperity, which is cool. But don't tell me about prosperity and fly off in your jet that God told you you ought to have. Because if you saying that and I'm in your church, I'm going to stand up and say, ooh, nigga, God told me that your ass can ride a commercial. Hey, na 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 And I'm probably going to get put out. <laughs> but anybody knows me, know that I do it <laughs> and won't care. <laughs> yeah. So that's what I'm yeah, saying. If you... If they don't have the mechanisms to improve your prosperity, then they're pimping you. Run. Run. Get to some place that's real. Get to some place that's real. Straight up. A-Town? Hey, I, I, I can't disagree with you. I'm like this. Um, you know, it's when they put it, when somebody pours pours honey in your ear, they they pulling money and your soul out your pocket. I'm just, you know, this. Not that there's not beauty and passion and love and spirituality. There's also a lot of work and there's a lot of grit. And people are just using people's desire for heaven on earth to temple. And like you said, there's a lot of signs. You know what I'm saying? If they talk about prosperity, but they ain't got no way to be different. And they say, listen, we're going to be an investment church. We're going to take our tithes and offerings and your income, and we're going to teach you how to invest it. I mean, that's one thing. But just to tell you, I, like I, I was, it came on because I, I leave the TV on at night sometimes, and a dude came up there talking about, you know, sow your thousand dollar seed for prosperity. I'm like, shoot, it's a thousand dollar seed. I can go and invest in certain stock markets and have an effect of one over five hundred thousand dollars. Like, why would I give it to you? <laughs> it's just like, for real. It's like, but they do that kind of stuff, and we fall for it. So yeah, these prosperity, these pulpit pimps, we got to get rid of them. And like we said, this is the next chapter. So what we have to do is we, one, have to know for ourselves and know ourselves 
so we can make informed decisions and so we can develop discernment to be able to make those those decisions. We need to start increasing our knowledge base. Before you make a decision about something, study it. Literally, like when something pops up and I want to know, like I want to make hair oil because, you know, I, I, you know, because I messed up with my locks before and it started thinning once I cut it off. So I've been on the Internet, and I've been working on developing my own hair oil, and I'm using it, and the junk seemed to be working. And it's not even the, the exact oil I wanted because I didn't have the ingredients. So I ordered the ingredients, but I didn't just go and buy something or just go throw something together. You know, I looked at, you know, initially I looked at people's reviews of this, that, and the other. Tried it, and I'm like, okay, this works. Okay, how do I do this? And then you start studying and looking at it. And so now it's like, oh, because what I did, I saw the ingredients in the oil I was using. I'm like, well, wait a minute. This doesn't seem like it's some gigantic process. This is like it's the right ingredients. So you start looking up and see how things affect you cellularly, and you start moving. Study, 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 study. Look, if you don't know, find someone who does. Chances are with seven degrees of separation, I don't know if it's true, whether it's seven, whether it's ten, whether it's five, whether it's three, chances are you know somebody who knows something or you know somebody who knows somebody who knows that something. Reach out. Start asking so you don't get used and pulled into the chicanery that these jokers are using. But if you don't know, you're not going to make sound decisions and you're going to end up victimized. And that's not cool. It's not cool whatsoever. You know what I'm saying? So that's where I'm at with that. You know, we got hotel houses, we got poetry, we got um, pulpit pictures. You know, that that's what it is. And either you're going to do something to put yourself in a position where you can live your life without being negatively impacted by these folks, or you're not. It's your choice. You know, we can't stop them. You know what I'm saying? But we think you need to change a little bit. All right, we got 34 minutes. Um, you can call in 646-668-2574. And even though we're going in, we'll listen. You know what I'm saying? We don't, we don't mind a little fire and passion. Don't, don't let our fire or passion keep you from calling in. Call in with your own. Like you said, we just need to have something based on some facts, things that, you know, whether it's anecdotal, which means it's based off of things that you've experienced over time, whatever. But just don't call up here with, you know, you know the um, rainbow bright, you know, my little pony stories and expect fairy dust to come fly and, and change the world. All right, Gypsy, what's, what's next? Who, who, what are we dealing with next? Well, I'm glad you said study, 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 study. <sighs> we can go two ways with this. We can talk about because I would really want to get into a current event. Okay. Let's get into it. The Madam C.J. Walker story on Netflix. Okay. Um, and I was excited to watch it. I was like, yes, Madam C.J. motherfucking Walker. Yes, baby. Come on with Octavia Spencer. Hell yeah. Blair Underwood. My nigga. I did say that. And then I was like, oh, man. Well, Tiffany Haddish. Mm, okay. 
This would be interesting. And then I watched, and as I got into the second episode, it was a difficult watch for me. Because I started noticing a narrative. And this is one of those things of, hey, people, we got to start noticing and really understanding how certain things we watch, how certain things we see really does affect us. Okay? We have to understand propaganda and rhetoric because we see it every day. There's two parts to this Harriet Tubman thing I want to get into. First, the rhetoric and the propaganda. In the beginning of the story, I went back and saw the first episode. It says, inspired by. So basically what they did was they took dramatic license with her story. So much so that on social media, I think her great-granddaughter got on social media and blasted the thing. She said it was a great, it was a good story, but they opted out for a story more so than they did historical accuracies. Wow. And when I saw it, I thought about what she said, and I thought about my own thoughts of it. Number one, first and foremost, here's the rhetoric and the narrative. Madam C.J. Walker historically did have two husbands. One uh, was a little abusive. At the same time? No, no. She had two husbands, different, you know, divorced and then remarried. One was abusive, and then one... And then one became an alcoholic and ran off with another chick. Okay. So that so that that did happen. Okay. That did happen. That's historically accurate. What what's inaccurate is that she had they said her hair growth formula in the movie, she stole it from another woman. That's not true. The woman that she supposedly stole it from was a thin, light-skinned woman who was also in hair care and did very well for herself. I think she eventually became a millionaire, but she did not do as well as Madam C.J. Walker did, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but she did very well for herself at the time. Um, that lady was a dark-skinned, full-figured woman. She wasn't, you know, pencil-thin and light-skinned. No, ma'am. That was, that was historically inaccurate. But they put that in there to continuously make it that light-skinned, dark-skinned thing. Oh, you want to look like us because you want to be light-skinned for real because it's the paper brag test. That is the continued narrative. You know, I think the last time we really saw that up front in a movie like that was when Spike Lee dealt with it in school days. 
And I love how Spike dealt with that. But at the same time, you go back and look at Tiffany Haddish character who played Madam C.J. Walker's daughter. She had a husband, left her husband for a stud. This broad became a lesbian. Historically, there's no evidence that she was a lesbian. As a matter of fact, she did have a natural grandchild, a natural child, hence the grandchild, uh, the great-grandchild writing about or being in charge of the History Museum. But um, Madam C.J. Walker's daughter had two husbands. One, Madam C.J. Walker didn't like because he was a bit of a bad boy. The other one was a bit of a bad boy, but he was a doctor, so he was a little bit more respectable. So she had two husbands and this, that, and the third. You have to understand certain narratives when they're going on. Every dude in the Madam C.J. Walker story wasn't about shit. They dog, they women. They was shit lazy and shitless. Garrett Morris of Martin and Saturday Night Live fame, he plays uh, Blair Underwood's father, who was actually a slave, you know, at one time. They bring up the fact that, oh, your mama died because she tried to come back to the plantation because she ran. She had the courage to run away, and we men didn't. So when she was coming back, they killed her. They made all the men in the movie look spineless, dogged them, and it was and and out of the descendant of Madam C.J. Walker, she said that uh, that is a false narrative that they did for story purposes. But you have to understand rhetoric and propaganda. That's consistently propagated. Consistently. Even when we are, even when we are writing our own stories. Think I'm lying? Most of Tyler Perry's work Contains those images of black men. There's one movie where he was getting dogged. It was a Medea movie. Tyler Perry plays Medea. Tyler Perry had on a suit. He was a lawyer, and his 17 year old daughter was punking him. And what you got to say, huh? What? Huh? 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 What? Huh? Huh? Mm. Couldn't deal with her as as a man. But as soon as this nigga put on a wig and a muumuu. He had super fucking powers. Fuck out of here. It's that narrative that creates that chasm that stops us from getting to that next level. Now, here's where sisters is really going to be mad at me. I thank God for Corona. Thank God for it. Why? Because the narrative with sisters as mm, I'm raising my kids 
Half of y'all ain't raising y'all kids. Y'all maintaining your kids. Y'all doing the maintenance. You feed them, you clothe them, you house them. You're not raising them. Just this past weekend, I had a woman tell me, oh, she got to help her child with her homework, and she don't know how to do it. It's going to be a fucking challenge. Are you kidding me? But quick to sit up here and talk about how dudes ain't shit. Because she's a single mom. Fuck out of here. We have to know the rhetoric that we are continually espousing and putting on ourselves. And part of that is because you don't know how you got to this place, so you don't see that you're in a bad position and how to see your way through. Hey, Tom. Mm-hmm. Well, I've not seen the movie, and so um, I'm not going to comment on that. I will say this. It's, um, I didn't see Harriet. And because, you know, I'm not a person that you can tell me at the end of the movie, oh, this spoils it for me. I'm not going to go watch it now. I go watch it anyway. But what killed me was when they were talking about the characters in it. And I ran into Bigger Long. Now, one, that just sounds like a porn name. You know what I'm saying? You might as well just made him Chinese and called him One Hung Low. <laughs> and then to find out that this mysterious black man becomes the main antagonist of Harriet Tubman and the point where a a white plantation owner who's enslaved Africans had at one point save her from the bad black man. And I'm just like, what the hell is this? And I explained to my kids, I'll never go watch that. I'm like, if this dude was real and that really happened, I'll take it. I said, but this is a movie that's supposed to represent the historical reenactment of Harriet Tubman, and you write in a black man and give him, or give him a gun and have him chase Harriet Tubman around as if he's the problem. As if the problem... Wait, wait a minute, they gave a brother a gun? Yeah, they said time? the dude had a gun. Yes. Mm-mm. You know, <laughs> uh, now I, at that point I was hoping they were just joking. <laughs> um, but I was just like, What? And then I'm like, I wouldn't go see. I, I mean, I wouldn't even entertain it. And I told my kids because we go see movies. And when I told them like, well, I wouldn't go see them. They're like, well, why would they do that? And I'm like, baby, I don't know. You asking the incorrect person. I said, but I'm not going to take you that. Take you there because you're going to think that this is historically accurate, and you're going to walk out of there thinking that the main problem that Harriet Tubman had freeing black folks from enslavement was a black man. I'm like, I ain't doing that. And I said, and the fact that they were right in this mythical creature and then put him out there like that and people go see it, that messed me up. Because that's that's what I consider an agent or a pimp. It's like this. Things are strained enough between people of color, you know, the men and the women when it comes to black folks, not so much other, other, um, Nationalities and ethnicities It's like 
as bad as stuff is, you're going to write a movie that further entrenches the two sides against each other? And I'm like, goodness gracious. And so for that reason, I never watched it, never will. I don't care if the Joker is free. If someone pays me, chances are I wouldn't watch the movie. I just turn it on and act like I watched the movie and do something else. But, yeah, and so when I hear this stuff about the Madam C.J. Walker, it's like at one point we have to figure out what we're doing because there shouldn't be any movies with these historical inaccuracies on this level. When we're talking about portraying our icons, people who we've studied and heard about, and then to put something out. And it'd be that inaccurate and is representing somebody that we're supposed to be holding up as an icon and a part of history that we're supposed to be reenacting for our children. I mean, that would be like, I mean, it, 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 it would be like, um, you know, and I don't even know if they are, but it would be like somebody just going, you know, Jewish changing, you know, um, sh- you know, making some just, Creative edits on Schindler's List or whatever. It might have been. But you know what, to the point, but I don't think it was to the point where it actually changed the nature of the movie if it was. Changed the nature of the history of it to the point where it bastardizes, like on some of those levels. Like they write in, that'd be like when Schindler's List writing in a Jewish antagonist that, you know, um, is helping Hitler kill black, kill, kill Jewish folks. It's like, no, you wouldn't allow anything like that. You might do something small, like if he say 3,000 people, have him save like 5,000 people. But you wouldn't actually, in Schindler's List, write in a Jewish person that was helping um, Hitler, you know, and who became the main antagonist and not Hitler, until the point one day Hitler had to save the Jewish people from the Jewish Jews. That would never happen. And so... On that level, I'm just saying, I'm just tired of these movies. Oh, my goodness. Speaking of Sacramento Pentecostal megachurch linked to over 70 corona cases. Look at that. They're going to church and catching stuff. The pulpit pimps. Yeah, so, yeah, it's just like I can't deal with these movies that are cinematically appealing but historically garbage. I'm like, damn it. Like, what, what is so hard about just telling the story? Part of that is because we don't demand. We don't demand the truth. We don't command any attention. Why? why, why? Fuck you. We're going to put this out and you're going to buy it anyway. Eh. And then you have people that make arguments like, well, LeBron James was the it was an executive producer on the movie. Idiot! An executive producer ain't got shit to say about the script. That ain't his job. He puts up money for it to be made, and then gets a return on his investment. That's what the that's really what the producer and the executive producers do. They do logistical work. They're not in that writer's room. They're not in the director's chair. 
they're the financiers. If you really let's get to say this is it, on this TNC radio, the next chapter on the D Hour Radio Network. If you got something to say about what we're talking about, call in to six four six 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 eight two five seven four. Right now we're talking about the Madam C J Walker movie and other movies like that that incorporate historical inaccuracies and whether or not we should say anything about them. Go ahead, Gypsy, you were talking about executive producers. But you you also have to realize that you black folks are worth a trillion dollars. Everybody knows your worth but you. Everybody. The most disrespected people on the planet are black Americans. The most, because we are some of the stupidest people on the planet at the, as we are some of the most brilliant and resilient people on the planet. We just stupid. We, we dumb as hell. We dumb. We dumb. I'm, some people ain't gonna like me saying it. We, 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 we are dumb. Every February, your kids go to school and they gonna be taught Black History Month. And they get every entertainer and sports hero a bastardized version of Rosa Parks and Martin Luther King Jr. And that's it. Then when you grow up, you find out that a black man created potato chips. A black man put the uh, carbon filament in the light bulb. A black man did heart surgery and all these things that black folks have done. Ooh, the original recipe for Kentucky Fried Chicken was from a black woman. The original recipe in Jack Daniels was from a black man. And all that's cool. But I'm going to ask you this. Nigga, what do, you, what do they own? They don't own none of that shit. I'm glad that you're looking up your hair care products because it's going to be a lot of people. It's going to be, unfortunately, when this corona thing is over, it's going to be a lot of sisters walking around looking like Chewbacca and Treasure Trolls, and I'm going to laugh my ass off some of them. <laughs> because everybody, ooh, Madam C.J. Walker on TV, you can't even take care of your own fucking hair. If the grocery store stops tomorrow, where you getting your food? At what point do you stop looking at things from a consumer perspective into, ooh, let me own some stuff? Now, if you are a black business owner, you got to treat the customer like they ain't doing your black ass a favor by coming into your shop or your salon or your restaurant or your or getting anything from you. They are supporting you and you have to treat them with gratitude, graciousness, and kindness. We'll demand. We'll demand. We won't support 
our own people. This is fucking ridiculous to me. We won't support our own pe- people because mm, that bitch behind the counter had a fucking attitude. Fuck him. I take my money down the street. Right? In Brooklyn, New York, there was a sister, two sisters, beat up at a nail salon by all the little Asian people that worked in there, including the male salon manager or owner or whoever he was, right? People protested outside the business. You know, it was still sisters walking up in there the next day. Move, nigga, I got to get my hair, I got to get my nails done. I need a fill-in. We'll demand something of ourselves, but don't vote with our money. The other way. Come on now. We got this thing twisted. We got this thing twisted. All the way around. That's on us. That's on us. So the next woman that go to that salon and get cracked in the head, fuck you, you on your own. Because you see how they treat you. But unfortunately, you can't go see Shaniqua down the street because Shaniqua going to treat you like shit too. And you ain't going to accept it from Shaniqua, but you accept it from Ming Ling. That's conditioning. We got to get out of that, y'all. We got it. We got to get out of that. But you're continually conditioned in that because Everything you watch pits us against each other. Everything you see always brings out the most debased and negative aspects of ourselves. And we'll live in that and love on it and and aspire to that. That's just me. That's just me. We gotta we gotta do better. We have to do better. It ain't for nobody else. It's us at this point. A-Town? Yeah. Um, <laughs> man, it just gets so hard to talk about this stuff. You know, um, I hate to say it right now, people of color's biggest problem are people of color. Nowadays, they don't have to quarantine us off. They don't have to force us in the corners. They don't have to tell us where we can't go. We just don't go there. They don't have to say don't build a black empire. We just don't build one. They don't have to say don't collect your money together and don't, you know, um come together and and build your own industry. We we just won't do it. We are just not doing it, and it is leaving us in the position that we're in, and got us dealing with what we're dealing with. Yeah, I, I agree with you, man. It's just we have to learn for ourselves. I mean, let's deal with the organizations of the '60s. To get into the organizations of the '60s, you couldn't just join. They gave you. 10-point plans in reading material. And to join the organization, you had to show not only knowledge 
of the ten-point plan, you have to show knowledge of the reading material. So that's why our organizations are a lot different than those organizations then. And now it's like we don't. If we say, okay, what's what's what what's the um the canon of books that we're going to use to begin to structure a cohesive and homogeneous concept of African Americanism, and you know from beginning to now. Everybody got a different book, but there's nothing that everybody is pushing together. There's, there, we haven't agreed that we haven't got our scholars together and said, "Hey, listen, you're our scholars. You're the people. Like you're an African, you know, um, history buff. You're an African history buff. You're a technological history buff. This, that, and the other. Like we recognize you in these positions. Put together a candidate for for people." to read that you believe, you know, sums up and gives a concept or an idea of what it is to be African and American or African American or personal color in this country and weed out the stuff that you think is problematic or is or is was not historically accurate and then, you know, we give us comments on that. And it's not that we can't read it or won't read it. But then we have a choice to read without getting caught up in the agent stuff, and then we can go read that other stuff later. And it's not that it's off limits. It's just that, okay, we have a warning. This is why we say don't read this book. Like I I would say, you know, any book Umar Johnson wrote on 88th Street, I would say do the history because the facts that he he says that he, um, he states are not facts. They're historically inaccurate. His dates are off. The reasons that the man was created was all based on the dates. Um, also, his description of the di- of the diagnosis based off what I heard is incorrect. See stuff like that. I'm not gonna say just don't listen to it because I think it's bullcrap. I'm just saying that it's historically inaccurate as far as the dates, you know, and as far as how to deal with this, the schools and stuff. I, I don't know. I've helped some. I've talked to people who sued the school and won based on information I have to change the nature of their child's life. So, you know, I, I got living proof, and my stuff is real simple. It didn't even take a book. It just took some some multiple conversations. So that's what I'm saying. Stuff like that, they give you information about, hey, why this might be problematic, and then if you want to go read it afterwards, then you can, but you're not going to be looking at that one first like it's the truth. So, I mean, we, we have to get it together. Because if we don't, we're done off. But we won't have anybody to blame but ourselves. Because right now, there is not a, um, a, a collective and focused attack on us like it was when we came here. It's now psychological, emotional, all that kind of stuff. But nothing is physically holding us down. Nothing is physically holding us back. Nobody is daily monitoring us, you know, swinging a whip at us when we refuse to conform. So now whether we live or die, whether we succeed or fail, whether we make progress, regress or stay stagnant, it's all on us. It's all on us. And we won't have anybody to blame but ourselves. If all of us say, 
We've been through stuff. It's like this. Let me give it to you like this. Once you realize that you've been programmed, once you realize and accept the fact that things have been ingrained into you, it is no longer a reason. It is an excuse. Because now you know and you have the wherewithal, if you want to, to go study how to counteract what was done to you and then act on it. So if you know you've been programmed and this stuff has been ingrained and you haven't done anything to figure out how to get out of it, if you haven't done any studying, if you have not attempted to reprogram yourself, not just stop doing the behavior, because if programming got you into a program, they're going to get you out. But if you haven't actively done it, then you're the problem. Because now you can't say, well, I'm programmed. No, you know you're programmed. So now you're not programmed. You're just late. Or you're just, you have some, um, you have some um, built-in hopelessness. Or you have some built-in helplessness where you think you can't get out of it. But the problem is no longer that you're programmed. The problem is now that you know that you're programmed and you're not willing to do what you need to do to unprogram yourself and reprogram yourself to something else. So, no, yo, we can't yo. use that as an excuse. We're at the three-minute and ten-second mark. So, what's your, what's your uh, final thoughts? What's your final um, thoughts for the eating? Oh, know thyself, know for yourself. Become the catalyst in your life. No, not become. Become a wealth of knowledge and information. Use each other. Collective work in economics. Everything. Come together. Pull our resources Build for ourselves. Decide for ourselves. I'm done. I would have to say uh, learn better, know better, do better, be better. You got a choice. You can be an agent of destruction or you can be an agent of positive change. But one way or another, you're going to be an agent. That's it. <laughs> so, we back next week. I know this was a heavy topic. Kind of surprised nobody called in, but okay. <laughs> um, you want to send us out of here? Hey, get on your grind, expand your spirit and your mind. And keep your eye on the sparrow. Don't go to bed with no price on your head.
if you can't pay the price. Mm-hmm. Don't do it. Don't do it. 